Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Good afternoon. Welcome to Talk 1370's Ask the Experts, the show all about your health, your life, your home, and so much more with our rotating cast of experts. You can catch up on past episodes online Talk1370.com slash experts. Also on the radio.com app. Favorite Talk 1370 and find Ask the Experts there anytime, anywhere. And if you've got a question for our experts, you can email us. Ask the experts at Talk1370.com. Today's topic, real estate foreclosure and all the legal aspects of that. We've got two attorneys in the house, Bill Gammon and Jason Billick with the William Gammon Law Firm. Guys, welcome to Ask the Experts. Thank you. Good to be here. Hey, good afternoon. Let's uh, get right into it. Tell us a little bit about y'all's backgrounds, how long you've been practicing, and your experience in uh, real estate foreclosure. This is Bill, and I've been doing this, uh, I'm embarrassed to say, for uh, going on 33 years now. Uh, in Austin, started in the 80s in the midst of a financial crisis and uh, sort of got thrust into this area of the law then and have watched over the years the ups and downs of the Austin, Central Texas, and national economies and uh, have seen foreclosures come and go in droves, uh, but they never stop completely. And uh, Jason is a good friend of mine. Uh, Jason and I worked together for years. Jason has now gone off and is working at another law firm, but obviously we're still quite good friends. Jason Billick, I've been practicing for eight years now. Uh, Bill and I have been working on foreclosure cases for a while. I'm now with the firm Almanza Blackburn, Dickey & Mitchell. Uh, we do a lot of real estate litigation, but I'm focused primarily on foreclosure defense and foreclosure-related matters. Um, Bill has been a great resource in all this, and I, I consider him one of the best experts in the field in this area, especially in Central Texas. A lot of experience in the room. And Bill, you mentioned kind of what got you into this field was kind of a downturn in the 80s. We've heard in the news, you know, signs that another downturn may be coming, the inverted yield curve, all these kind of signs that are precursors, kind of the same things we saw in 2008. Both of you kind of talk about maybe some of the signs that you're seeing in your practice as far as whether that might be coming. I'm seeing a slowdown in foreclosure sales, but I am seeing a rise in reverse mortgage foreclosures. Unfortunately, it deals primarily with elderly folks and a lot of folks that don't understand those loans. And so even though I'm seeing a slowdown, I anticipate in the next year or so, we're going to start seeing a rise. I spent a lot of time talking with other attorneys. Attorneys are always wanting to know, well, how busy are you? Because we have scheduling conflicts that take place all the time. You're trying to set depositions, hearings. So we're pretty much aware of how busy the other lawyers are. There is this pregnant pause going on right now where everyone is waiting for the next delivery. We know that it's coming. It's just a question of when. I was reading an article the other day about the preponderance of, of credit card debt and how that has been something that's been rising. And typically what you see is an expansion of credit right before a retraction. Uh, the last time this happened, I remember I had, a, like most people, a, a 
plethora of credit cards. And, and next thing I knew, although they were all current or paid off, all of the, you know, the Chase, Wells Fargo, and so they all withdrew or greatly cut my lines of credit. That's just a matter of the way they do it. And when that happens and when the credit is gone, then people have to do what they really don't want to do, and that is they have to make these difficult choices of you know which bills to pay. Yeah, things get a little tighter when you don't have that available credit to put the groceries on, for example. And people are going to eat before they make their mortgage payments. Jason, you mentioned uh, a reverse mortgage foreclosure. Let's talk a little bit. Let's just kind of lay a foundation here. Let's talk about foreclosure and the different types that are out there. In Texas, we're considered to be what's called a non-judicial foreclosure state. And in a nutshell means you don't have to go to a judge to seek permission to foreclose. Essentially, you just declare the debt is in default. Uh, you give the borrower an opportunity to cure or get their payments current. And then the bank has an option of accelerating or making or declaring the total amount of the debt due. And then they got to do their typical notices. Letters got to go out. And at the end of the day, the foreclosure sale occurs in the footsteps of the courthouse. Unlike other states where maybe you need to file an actual lawsuit. We have a variety of different loans in Texas and elsewhere, uh, but the one I mentioned earlier, the reverse mortgage, I, I focus a little bit on that because it's an interesting concept. Let's say you're 62 years old or older, and you realize you've been living in this home or the house for many, many years. You've built up a lot of equity in the home, and you think to yourself, man, maybe maybe I need to repair the roof, or maybe I need to maybe I need that money for something else. Or maybe your your spouse is sick and you need it for health care. Whatever the case may be, you can take out the equity in the home and then you don't make any payments for as long as you live in the home. And the key is you incur interest during that time, but then you ultimately pay it back either upon your death or if you sell the house. You're still responsible for your property taxes. You still got to pay your house insurance. The problem is... A lot of these mortgage companies don't really do a good job explaining how these loans work to elderly folks. And so they feel like they have it one way, and then all of a sudden they miss a, a tax payment for that one year, and boom, they're getting ready to be foreclosed on. A lot of folks are under the impression that uh, you can go to the appraisal district and by assigning the affidavit, there's a state law that says that there's a way for people who are 65 and over to avoid current taxes. They still accrue, but you don't have to pay them currently. You defer those taxes by signing this affidavit and they'll make a deal with the taxing authority and they'll think, well, that's fine. I'm done. I'm good. Now I don't have to worry about making any payments. Not true. What happens is the mortgage holder for the reverse mortgage will then say, wait a minute, you have breached our agreement. If you looked at the fine print, it says you can't do that. Ah. And, and so although the taxing authority is fine with it, the mortgage company says, wait a minute, those people have first position. They're first lien holders. They're above even us. And so if those taxes aren't paid when this property is sold, eventually when you die or when you move out, then those taxes get paid first. And that comes out of the money that we would otherwise get potentially. So it's a potential loss for them. They have a right to call the loan due and they will do it. And again, because those taxes aren't going away, they're just getting deferred. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, right. Exactly. Our guests are Bill Gammon and Jason Billick. We're talking about real estate foreclosure. If you find yourself in a situation where you're facing foreclosure or you need some legal advice on that topic, Give the Gammon Law Office a call, 512-444-4529 or online at gammonlawoffice.com. And let me put in a plug here for my friend Jason to go ahead and, and, and 
put the call sign out there for your number and so forth, please. Absolutely. Uh, similar situation. If you're facing foreclosure or you have a real estate question, please give us a call. It's Almanza Blackburn, Dickey & Mitchell. It's 512-474-9486. And this is one of those situations where I'm so glad I got one of those easy-to-remember phone numbers because those <laughs> my number is 512-4444-LAW. Let's talk a little bit about the foreclosure process in Travis County and how that works. I know, Jason, you mentioned it's a non-judicial process. Talk a little bit about that. In Texas, foreclosures occur on the first Tuesday of every month. What happens is when a borrower falls behind, a lender will send out a letter declaring the debt is in default. and essentially says, hey, you failed to make your payment. You owe X amount. Please pay it within the 20 days. Otherwise, we're going to declare the entire loan balance due. And if the borrower is able to cure it, then everything goes back and the loan is being current. Uh, it gets marked as being current. But then if the borrower fails to make that default payment or to cure it, I guess I should say, the loan gets accelerated. And that means if you have a $300,000 loan, maybe you were behind your mortgage payment of, oh, I don't know, $2,000. Now the whole thing is due three hundred grand, And you opportunity to stop the foreclosure sale by paying the full three hundred. dollars Otherwise, uh, a notice of foreclosure sale goes out and it gets posted on the first Tuesday of every month. I get calls from people, and I know you do too, Jason, when you get behind on your mortgage, uh, you realize you're behind on your mortgage, you get a letter from the mortgage company. People will sometimes think, okay, I need to move out. They haven't even been foreclosed on. They haven't even gone through the process of all the notifications and even the period during which they can actually work with the lender. During that initial period when you're just having these, these problems, Typically, you've got 90 days before anything happens, before they can actually post it for foreclosure. And that's as a result of federal law. So, and remember, most of the mortgages in this country are backed by Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac. And so right. those are the folks that write the rules. Also, and this is from the lender's perspective, and they're sort of quasi, what we call quasi-governmental organizations. Also now, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau has rules. That which, is, have, which is your friend, by the way. Yeah, for homeowners, for people that are falling behind on your loans, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau despite what the banks are saying about overregulation, it's there to help you. Sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt no, you. No, no, <laughs> it's all good. That That is so true. The CFPB is your friend, and those rules are there to protect you. Don't panic. That's the, the watchword here. When you get these notices, and please, 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 open your certified mail. Go get it. It doesn't help to not open it, and it doesn't help, by the way, to not even get it. All that's necessary for the lender to comply with the law is that it be mailed to the proper address, and that's the address that you gave them when you took out the loan, and it's in the paperwork. It's in the deed of trust. Like so many of the situations we talk about here on Ask the Experts, ignoring your mail does not make the problem go away. Right. Our guests are Bill Gammon and Jason Billick. We're talking real estate foreclosure. If you've got a situation where you're facing foreclosure, maybe you're running a little behind on your mortgage payments, or you're having some tax challenges, Either Bill or Jason stand ready to help you. Give Bill a call at his office, 512-444-4529. That's 512-4444-LAW or online at gammonlawoffice.com. Jason can be reached at 512-474-9486. Time for a break on Ask the Experts. We're talking all things real estate foreclosure. A lot more to get to after these messages. You're listening to Ask the Experts on Talk 1370. We're back after this.
Welcome back to Talk 1370's Ask the Experts. Today's topic is real estate foreclosure. We've got two attorneys in the studio to help us with that, Bill Gammon and Jason Billick. Guys, before the break, we were talking about reverse mortgages. Let's talk about the differences in how a foreclosure sale is handled with a conventional mortgage or maybe a home equity mortgage. Texas is a non-judicial foreclosure state, which means with a conventional mortgage, all has to happen is for the loan to become in default for whatever reason, usually non-payment. And and then after that, a certain number of, you, know, you get a notice that it's in default and an, and an opportunity to make it right. Then after that, the debt, if you don't do that, then the debt is accelerated and the property is posted for foreclosure. The posting has to be 21 days prior to the foreclosure date. And the foreclosure dates, as Jason pointed out, is always on the first Tuesday of any month. So you can literally count backwards. In Texas, there is a 20-day minimum period of the time involved to cure a default. But most mortgages in Texas, not all, but most mortgages in Texas are written so that that period is actually extended to 30 days. So if you look at the absolute minimum amount of time that you have prior to foreclosure, then you have the 21 days prior to foreclosing and then a minimum of 20 days by statute, usually 30 days by contract. That's in a standard foreclosure. You may think that's a lot of time, but it's actually really short compared to some of the other states in the country. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're on the rocket docket over here, except when you're talking about a home equity loan. And this is another way, as as Jason was talking about, where you can get equity out of your property uh, through a reverse mortgage or a reverse mortgage line of credit. Either you get a lump sum or you get a line of credit that you can draw down. You can do the same thing with a home equity loan. In that uh, event, what you do is you make payments on the loan. It's a real loan, and the house itself is the security for the debt. In a home equity loan, all that can happen to you is you can lose your home, which is bad enough. But you can borrow up to 80% of the value of the home, and then you make payments on that over whatever period of the loan that you structure it with the lender. It may be 30 years, it may be, it may be 10. But when a home equity loan goes into default, then that process has to go through a judge. You have to actually, if you're the lender, you have, instead of just doing it the way that we describe for a standard loan, in that case, you file for what is called a 736 order. And that's under rule of civil procedure 736. And it says, basically, you have to go to the judge and you state, yes, I have already accelerated these payments. I've sent them these notices. They haven't cured. What I want is permission to foreclose. And then assuming that that hearing, and it's an actual hearing, you get notice, it's a real lawsuit. You go to the court and if they are successful, they, the lender, successful in that, then they're given permission to post it, which may be as soon as 21 days after that hearing. So there's another step in there, which was put in there, and it's part of the Texas Constitution when home equity lending became legal in Texas. And then that whole other process of foreclosure begins. Yeah, exactly. Only in this case, what happens is the the notices of default and the acceleration take place by the time you have the hearing. Mm. And you can't go forward with the actual posting for foreclosure until the court gives you permission. It'd be nice if our whole state was a judicial foreclosure state for all loans. Totally agree. And I'm sure there might be a bank lawyer out there thinking, Jason, that would just cause more delay, more delay. And my response would be, you get all this corporate welfare, all this bank bailouts, right? If Wall Street gets Time and time again, a redo over and over. Why can't Main Street get a redo over and over? Why you fall behind on your payment because of a death in the family? 
you fall behind on your payment because you lost your job. You were going through an economic hardship, but yet you're now considered not worthy enough to be given a second chance. The fact of the matter is most folks live in a situation where they're two or maybe three paychecks from disaster. So if you have something terrible happen to you, a really bad illness, maybe you lose a job, maybe you have marital difficulties, there are a number of things that happen and all of a sudden the happy payment stream that you're making to your lender is interrupted and people get ashamed. They will, they will put their heads in the sand. They don't want their neighbors to know. Trust me, your neighbors already know because they're suffering the same problems you are. And those people who think always, Hey, you know, if you're, if you're missing a payment, you're some kind of a deadbeat, they're fooling themselves. Okay. And, and the idea that by the way, bankruptcy is, is a terrible thing. Not so there's an old saying I've practiced bank in the bankruptcy courts for 20 years and uh, I don't do it anymore. I refer to other people, but go bankrupt before you go broke. Bankruptcy is there as a tool in order to be able to help you get past these kinds of problems because everybody has problems. It's not that you can avoid all problems. You can't. What you can do is you can prepare so that when you do encounter those problems, you can pick yourself up and you can make a successful start again. And the key there, again, you mentioned bankruptcy. It is an option, but it's definitely kind of the last resort. There are other options before you get to that point. They, they certainly are many other options. Uh, bankruptcy may very well be one of them. But again, and I, I work with bankruptcy lawyers a lot. There are things that need to be addressed in a foreclosure context whenever you're thinking about going bankruptcy. So going bankrupt. So even if you apply for a bankruptcy, you file a petition in bankruptcy and you hire a bankruptcy lawyer, don't overlook that a foreclosure defense lawyer is an integral part of that if you're behind on your mortgage. Because if you've got claims against your lender, and uh, trust me, a lot of these loans are messed up. They were really bad back in the the last big crash. We, Jason and I, we worked on hundreds that were just a disaster and, and no paperwork. The lender didn't have the right to do what they were trying to do. They had, the, they didn't have the accounting right. There were a million problems, but if you go bankrupt and you do not put those findings into your bankruptcy, then you waive all these arguments. So the lender can come back later and say, oh, well, you went bankrupt. So that's too bad. All of my sins are forgiven. So don't do that. If somebody's facing foreclosure or maybe they've just fallen behind on their mortgage, they're not quite at that precipice yet of foreclosure. What are some of the things they need to start considering? Number one, reach out to an attorney right away because a lot of times borrowers will want to reach out to their lender, reach out to their bank and there might be a small percentage that will help, but it's going to be very confusing. The right hand is never talking to the left hand. And so you need to understand what those options are. And the CFPB, we mentioned that earlier, lays out a series of deadlines. So, for example, if you're behind on your mortgage, uh, perhaps you're several months behind, maybe more, and you want to get back on track, there's this phrase that gets tossed around a lot called loss mitigation. What does that mean? It, it's basically the bank and the government's opportunity or I guess the option of saying, hey, we can help you out by maybe modifying the loan, doing a deed in lieu, or many other things that could happen. And letting... And by the way, deed in lieu means you give us back your house by deeding it to us in lieu of, in, instead of a foreclosure. So you don't have a foreclosure on your record. Right. We take the house back. You deed it to us. All the debt is forgiven. In a standard a foreclosure scenario, that may be a very decent option if you can get the lender to do it if you are upside down in your mortgage where you don't have any equity. 
right? So otherwise, you could potentially be looking at a lot of personal liability. On a home equity loan, by the way, you don't have that problem because the only thing that happens is you can lose your house. You can't go after the individual for any of that debt. So there's a series of options. I think the most important thing, open your mail, pay attention to the notices that come in, pay attention to the phone calls that you receive, reach out to a lawyer so you can understand whether there are loss mitigation options available to you. It's funny, I got a call just last week and this lady was facing foreclosure. She was a week out. We were able to help her just by making a phone call to one of the law firms that was handling the foreclosure on behalf of the bank. They said, you know what, Jason, we never heard from this borrower. She never reached out. She did. She never reached out to the law firm. She reached out to John Doe over at Bank A, who didn't record the call, didn't pass it along to a supervisor, picked up the phone call and said, hey, look, here's what's going on. If you can give us a couple months, we can probably work this out. And And we were able to work it out. On other shows here on Ask the Experts, we've talked a lot about IRS challenges. And it's kind of like dealing with the IRS yourself. A bad idea. You want to have an expert on your side that has these kind of contacts. And in most cases, it really is, hey, they've ignored us. They aren't responding to our mail. Now we have to go down this step of what's the next step in the process Whereas, again, if you open your mail, if you deal with the problem, you can solve the problem. Right. And, and you know, it's funny you mentioned the IRS. Um, <clears throat> back when I first got into this business back in the 80s, this was a big problem. And, and I, had a, I had a TV spot at the time. And uh, it, a little 30-second spot, I said, you know, used to be Texans were buying houses just waiting for them to go up in value. Now we can't even give them away. You probably know that if you can't keep the payments up, the lender can take the house back and you can be sued for the loss in value. But did you also know that if the debt is forgiven, the IRS will make you pay taxes on the money that you didn't have to pay the lender? And this is a conundrum that doesn't happen right now because we have equity in houses because we have a real estate market that's a seller's market because the prices keep escalating. But when those prices begin to nosedive, then equity can evaporate. And so when Jason was talking about, you know, these loss mitigation options, one of the things that we do, and that is examine the bigger picture. Is there equity in the house? What are we fighting over here? Are we simply trying to extend extend the period in the house, you know, because we're, we pretty much don't have any equity by the time we pay realtor fees and title policy and closing costs. Is there going to be anything left over if we sell the house? If there is, then you definitely want to look at that as an option of basically Talk to the lawyer on the other side. Jason knows all these folks. I know these people. I've known them for 30 years. And, and you know, so when we pick up the phone, they know who they're talking to. And it helps because, as you know, I get the same thing that Jason was just talking about. Hey, we never heard from this borrower. Nice to hear from you, Bill. Let's see what we can get worked out. These people are not monsters. They're lawyers doing their jobs. I find that when the banks hire their counsel, these men and women are actually very good at their job. And all they care about is making sure their clients get the debt paid. And so they're willing to work with you. Guys, we're up against the wall on this particular episode. Before Speaking we go, of though, time, huh? absolutely. <laughs> Before we go, quickly tell our listeners how they can get a hold of both of you. I'm easy, easy, easy to get in touch with. If you've ever played backgammon, I'm Bill Gammon. BillGammon.com will reroute you to my law office website, which is gammonlawoffice.com. My phone number is 512 law that's 444-4529. And as my tagline says, my registered trademark, we represent the good guys. That's you.
Jason Billick, and I work for Almanza, Blackburn, Dickey, and Mitchell. We are a small boutique firm here in Austin, Texas. We have about 11 lawyers. Uh, we specialize in real estate business litigation, and I have an emphasis on foreclosure. Uh, the folks can reach me at 512-474-9486, and our website is abdmlaw.com. That's Alpha, Bravo, Delta, Michael, law.com. All right, guys. Thanks so much for coming in today. We'll uh, look forward to having you all back again on a future episode of Ask the Experts. Excellent. Thanks a lot, Casey. Thanks for listening to Ask the Experts on Talk 1370. You can catch up on past episodes at talk1370.com slash experts. And we're back with more after this on Talk 1370.